Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. You know that over the last couple of months, we've been talking about chronic pain patients in this country between a million and a million and a half, and how they are being systematically victimized by a government and a healthcare system that doesn't care about them, how statistics are being massaged to make it look as though the opioid crisis involves chronic pain patients when, in fact, it involves generic drug addicts. I would argue that most, if not all, but most, if not all, chronic pain patients who are on opioids are using them responsibly and providing for themselves, with the help of their doctors, enough pain relief that they can actually live their lives and not live in fundamental terror and contemplate or commit suicide. So I've been challenging the federal health minister, Jane Philpott, to come on this program, and I will give her credit. About an hour and a half, two hours ago, she sat down for an interview with me. Have a listen to how it went. Dr. Philpott, why is all the talk from governments about painkillers instead of pain? You do know that people who take painkillers, people who take opioids, do it just to make life tolerable. Well, I think that's a fantastic point, and uh, I think you're absolutely right that uh, uh, it's a fair point that the conversation needs to be around the pain and recognizing that when people do take uh, substances that uh, are used for controlling pain, it's because they have pain, sometimes uh, physical, sometimes psychological, but uh, the pain is uh, certainly should be a central theme to this conversation. So then why is all the talk about the painkillers instead of the pain? Well, I, you know, I think it depends who you talk to. I, I, I think this is a, an issue that has a whole range of perspectives on it and, and views, and I certainly uh, try to encourage people to uh, not oversimplify it and not, uh, not see that uh, there's any one single story to uh, the issue of the fact that uh, we have uh, an overdose uh, epidemic in this country. But uh, you're absolutely right that part of the conversation has to be around the fact that uh, people uh, have pain and that they, if, if they do, that they deserve to get care for that pain. Minister, when the uh, death by opioid overdose numbers are announced, do these numbers refer to non-chronic pain drug addicts using unregulated drugs purchased from criminal drug dealers, or do the numbers of deaths by opioid refer exclusively to deaths of chronic pain patients taking their opioid prescription medications as directed by a doctor? Well, that is a fantastic question because, in fact, that is one of the challenges that we're facing. And uh, one of my own frustrations with, uh, with the issue is that we haven't managed to separate the varying scenarios well in the numbers. And it actually uh, varies somewhat from province to province in terms of how those numbers are reported. So we have a lot of work to do in that area. 
One thing that I've done is asked the Public Health Agency of Canada to do an epidemiological analysis of the deaths over the last uh, year or so and look at those very questions because I think uh, we have to understand that, in fact, there are, uh, as I say, a whole bunch of individual stories and sometimes people are dying because they've bought illicit drugs in the street that are laced with very strong opioids. Uh, and then there are also people who, uh, you know, uh, sometimes elderly patients who have uh, taken a, a, a bit more of a medication than they ought to have or had a drug interaction with a, a pain medication that they were taking under the prescription or under the direction of a physician. So we need to break that down to get a better understanding. What percentage of chronic pain patients who are prescribed opioids to make their lives tolerable become addicted? And I think by this time we deserve a hard number. Well, I'm afraid that we don't have a hard number on that at this point. And uh, this is one of the reasons why there's a lot more work that needs to be done in research and um, clarifying definitions of what dependence is, because uh, we know that sometimes people are physically dependent, that can be different from being psychologically dependent, Um, but we do need to recognize that while uh, opioids are an incredibly important class of medications and absolutely need to be available uh, for appropriate use, uh, particularly with people uh, with, uh, for example, cancer-related pain and in, in appropriate circumstances, chronic pain, we have to recognize that they do have addictive potential and that there are harm, potential harms associated with them, and so they need to be used uh, appropriately, and we need to make sure that uh, we enjoy their benefits uh, without undue, uh, undue harm being um, done to, to Canadians who uh, take these medications. What are pain patients addicted to? Uh, can I, you want to know what particular? Yeah, I'd like to. You tell me. You tell me, please, and tell my listeners, and which includes chronic pain patients, one of whom will be joining me shortly. What are pain patients addicted to? Well, I think you are asking a question that is trying to uh, to describe the fact that there's a, a single or simple story, and I think that there. Uh, I, I don't want to oversimplify. Uh, well, Minister, with, with with due respect, I don't think you've answered any of my questions yet. Well, feel free to ask me another question then, and I'll see if I can satisfy you. Um, I'll tell you what pain patients are addicted to. They're addicted to getting rid of their pain. And if they take opioids and it works for them, what's the problem? And if they take the opioids for the rest of their lives, what's the problem? Well, I absolutely agree with you that every person who has a health condition deserves to get access to appropriate care for that condition. And so when people do have chronic pain, they absolutely deserve care. They deserve uh, a a proper assessment and an awareness of the whole range of treatments that uh, should be available to people with chronic pain and in appropriate circumstances. That may include opioids, but it has to be done uh, with a recognition of the fact that there are potential harms, and one cannot deny the fact that uh, we are dealing with circumstances where people do die, and they do also have other harms associated with uh, the use of opioids, which can sometimes cause uh, delirium and confusion if used inappropriately. So, um, you know, people uh, need to be treated on a, thing, on a case-by-case basis by 
uh, a well-informed uh, care provider who will make sure that they, they get benefit of the treatments that they're receiving and that we avoid any unnecessary harms. And they are being treated by healthcare professionals, by their family doctors, who with the patient come up with a treatment regimen. You know this better than I. You're a doctor. They come mm-hmm. up with a treatment regimen that works for them. And if that happens to be opioids, then why, for goodness sake, not leave them alone? Why are doctors suddenly, and I've talked to doctors who've told me this, uh, they want, don't want their names publicized because, frankly, they're afraid. Why are doctors suddenly finding themselves overruled and feel that if they have a patient, they're providing more than 90 milligrams of opioids to on a daily basis, they're going to be in trouble? And why does a pain doctor tell me if I have more than six patients or I prescribe more than 90 milligrams to, which they require, I'm going to be on a watch list? And Roy, frankly, I can't afford that because it took me 12 years to get my medical license and I can't afford to lose it. And I feel threatened by the government. I feel threatened by this agenda, this anti-opioid agenda. This is what doctors have told me, Dr. Philpott, I'm not making it up. Okay, well, I, I certainly acknowledge that you may be told that, and obviously, um, you know, doctors and prescribers uh, need to follow uh, both evidence-based uh, information, and they have responsibility to regulatory colleges that supervise them, but I think uh, decisions need to be made on a case-by-case individual basis, and there is no medication that a doctor would prescribe on an ongoing basis that they wouldn't periodically review. So whether it's a, a medication for diabetes or medication for a low thyroid disorder, one of the realities is that doctors from time to time need to review with their patients. So that's part one. When we come back, part two, it becomes more direct. Stick around. Roy Green isn't afraid to poke the bear. The bigger the bear, the bigger the poke. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. On Twitter, you follow me at the Roy Green Show. So... And in a little while, we'll be talking to Catherine, who was with us last weekend. She's a chronic pain patient who has just had an arbitrary decision made about her and her treatment by a doctor she has never met. He's never talked to her. He knows nothing about her from conversations with her. But he has made treatment decisions for her through her family doctor. And what we have is a government agenda against chronic pain patients, which is abusive, alarming, and extremely dangerous. Because chronic pain patients are thinking about and in fact are committing suicide because their pain levels are unmanageable because their pain levels are made unmanageable by governments, which say they don't know what the numbers really are when you try to pin them down, but which feed stories to media, which talk about statistical deaths from opioids, and when you read the stories and you read about opioid crisis, it always seems to point to the patient, not the drug addict, but it always seems to point to the patient. Meanwhile, the problem is the drug addict. 
So my conversation with the Federal Minister of Health, Jane Philpott, continued. And she just said to me that all doctors will periodically review prescriptions and medications they give to their patients. Here's how it continued. Whether or not they should stay on the... Yeah, fair enough. Fair Mm -hmm. enough. Occasionally review. I understand that. I get that. I'm a heart patient. I understand that periodically my drugs are reviewed, but they're not cut back. They're not arbitrarily cut back, which is the case with um, non-cancer patients who have chronic pain in this country. It could be a million to a million and a half people, many of whom have told me, at least the ones I've talked to, that they contemplate suicide, suicide because their pain is not tolerable, and suicide because they're, frankly, they're afraid. The first line of the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. Exactly. I, I, my, my sense is that these patients are being done harm and that your con- governments and, and maybe regulatory agencies as well are conflating um, the, the, the chronic pain patients with the drug addict and intentionally. I believe that the, the, there is an anti-opioid um, agenda underway and it's being fostered and fed by government attitudes and the only people who are going to get hurt, Minister, are the patients. And if they commit suicide... How would you feel? How would you feel as a doctor if you knew that patients had taken their own lives because they couldn't live with the level of pain they had on a daily basis, and that level of pain was there because their opioids had been arbitrarily taken away from them? As a physician, how would that make you feel? Well, I will reiterate again that one of our goals is to make sure, as you said, that uh, we avoid harms. Uh, in, in but you're not avoiding harm. You're well, creating you know, harm. All I am doing is trying to recognize the fact that there is a, a harm being done to people in this country associated with overdoses. But you're absolutely right. I will heartily agree with you that one needs to be extremely careful uh, in, for example, the um, following of the guidelines. And the guidelines that have recently come out are exactly that. They are not directives. They are guidelines to uh, support prescribers, and they need to be uh, they need to be used very carefully. And I yeah. heartily agree with you that nobody who is on a regular dose of opioids should be precipitously or uh, thoughtlessly uh, ha- have their dose adjusted. It needs to. Be Why done. should it be adjusted at all? If it's working, and if the person has a quality of life they don't have otherwise, why does it have to be adjusted at all? Shouldn't your, fo- shouldn't your focus be the drug addict? Shouldn't your focus be the drug addict who buys on street corners? And didn't you tell the CBC that you saw some value in providing drug addicts with prescription heroin? So we look after the the drug addict by providing prescription heroin, but we let the chronic pain patient go to Hades. That's the that's the sense that I get, and that's the sense they get. That's their frustration. And Minister, frankly, that is their fear, and you know that as well as I do. Well, uh, you do. Let me just go back. You haven't given me an opportunity to answer a couple of the questions that you brought up there. I did. And you have raised the fact that perhaps their dose doesn't need to be changed. And if between a I didn't say that. I said they're arbitrarily being changed. One well, of the, 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 the woman I'm going to be talking to after his minister, the woman I'm going to be talking to after I talk to you, her family doctor prescribed opioids for her. There's a doctor she doesn't even know who's in Toronto. Her family doctor is conferring with, and that doctor in Toronto provided instructions to her family doctor to cut her opioids in half. He's never seen her. He's never talked to her. He's never treated her. He makes a long-distance phone call 
essentially gives a long-distance phone call order to the family doctor, cut her off. She's now terrified. How is that practicing medicine? How is that acting responsibly? How is that providing Canadians with their Charter of Rights rights? How? How? Well, if you'll allow me to answer, I will tell you that, of course, uh, it's not my role to uh, to uh, give comment on any specific case. Uh, but I, you have raised some very good points yep. that people with pain need to get appropriate care. They need to be in the hands of prescribers and providers who are sensitive to their needs and who will address them appropriately and make sure that no harm is done. You know... I was a doctor, Um, I still am, but I'm not practicing now, and I can tell you that these are conversations that I would have, and I, you know, again, I I don't think it's fair to necessarily uh, paint all uh, patients nor all uh, care providers with a single brush. You've raised some incredibly important points, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think, you know, going forward on a case-by-case basis, basis every patient deserves to have their health conditions treated and often I can tell you that patients don't want to stay on any particular medication any longer than necessary and that's not just pain medications but uh, with any medication it needs to be reviewed periodically and uh, you have you're, you're raising some very important points okay so if I'm raising some very important points why does it have to be me You have an entire federal government. There's an entire federal ministry of health hierarchy, bureaucracy. There are provincial governments that work hand-in-glove with the federal government. And both the federal and provincial governments are harming chronic pain patients. Now, the minister says that I raised some incredibly important points. That is my fundamental point. That there is an agenda that is punishing and harming people who've done nothing wrong. There's an agenda in place that is harming people who are in pain, chronic pain, pain that is absolutely debilitating, pain that makes them want to end their lives. It's 24-7. And they finally find a medication that is prescribed by their doctor that does nothing other than help them get off their pain. And now the government is taking that medication away from them and selling the argument as though it is the pain patients who are the problem and the problem is the drug dealer and the drug addict. And the governments are, in fact, when they pull those medicines away from patients, sending those patients to the drug addict for any, or at least a drug um, uh, dealer, to provide and get any kind of relief they can. Part three of the interview after this. Don't let his bark fool you. Roy has a softer side, too. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. All right, so Jane Philpott, the federal health minister, agreed to an interview with me. I appreciate that. Um, her press secretary, nice guy, his name is Andrew, he called, called me um, 
emailed and then called me last week. And I wasn't sure we were going to have the minister join us after I talked to him, but they followed through and they had Minister Philpott speak with me. So you've heard parts one and part two of the interview. And my focus is the chronic pain patient, not the government's disingenuous stance. Here's part three. Minister, I won't ask you to comment on this. May I read you just a few lines from from an email I received? I know you're short on time. I won't take very much time. This is from a patient. I've been a chronic pain patient since 2008. I'm 38 years old now. I lost my career, my partner, and my family because of the severe pain and stigma of requiring opioids. It happened during surgery to fix an injury that was caused while I was working. Like most pain patients, I tried everything else to get better before resorting to opioids. However, CRPS... Um, chronic regional pain syndrome, also known as RSD or reflex sympathetic dystrophy, is notoriously hard to treat if you're lucky enough to have a doctor who knows what it is. I've tried physical therapy, psychological therapy, antidepressants, anticonvulsants, blood pressure medications, trigger point injections, nerve blocks, lidocaine infusions, ketamine infusions. I've attended three different living with chronic pain classes put on through various hospitals. After all that, I did a trial of opioid medications. I obtained some relief getting my pain levels under control and allowing me to live life. After two years of consistent doses and a spreading of my disease, I required a stronger dose. The doctor I had at that time decided I would do better without opioids at all. Within six months, I was bedridden and suicidal. I knew I was due to see yet another pain specialist, so I decided I would wait to see him, then make the decision whether or not I would kill myself. I won't ask you to comment. comment on that. Well, well first please, of all, please. obviously, I would have tremendous sympathy for this patient, and I hope that this person um, has been able to get the care that they need. And again, I would say it's not my role to uh, weigh in a, on an opinion on, on a particular clinical case, but I hope that every person who was in a similar situation would find uh, uh, a well-informed care yeah. provider who would make sure that they got the care they Minister, need. your responsibility is to do more than hope. Your responsibility as the National Health Minister is to provide. I'll just read you the last line from that email. I'm terrified of losing my medication again. If it happens, I have two choices, suicide or street drugs. Without medication, my life is not worth living. 38-year-old woman. Minister, so- consider the patients. Remember, you're a doctor. If you were not a health minister, if you were a doctor, I would hope you have, would have a diametrically opposed view to the one you're putting forward now, which honestly sounds to me like government agenda and little else with a million to a million and a half people in this country being sacrificed. Well, I, I'm not sure that I can say anything that will entirely satisfy you. I hope that you have understood that I have tried to make it clear that every patient deserves appropriate care. And I have not said at any point today or any other day that, there, uh, uh, that a patient under the direction of a, of a well-informed care provider, um, it may be entirely appropriate for somebody to stay on a an opioid for a long-term basis. That needs to be, uh, decision needs to be taken uh, on a case-by-case basis. And absolutely, for many patients, that is exactly what they need. Uh, and if that's the case and that decision has been made and the patient is uh, has a good quality of life and their care provider believes that the benefits of any get medication outweigh the harms of that medication, then they deserve to have that medication. Then, Minister, you need to put that into action starting tomorrow because it's not happening today. But I thank you very much for the time. 
Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. So there's the interview with the Federal Minister of Health. And at the very end, it sounded to me like the minister had agreed it should be up to the patient and his or her physician to make the decision, and that should carry the day. I would like to, because I'm going to play this, I've always said, don't say to me today what you don't want me to play back for you tomorrow. Uh, I would suggest that the position that Dr. Philpott put forward, that it should be up to the patient and the healthcare provider, become stone in stone, cast in stone policy so that Catherine, my guest now, no longer has to fear whether or not she'll have the adequate pain meds, no longer will be going to a hospital screaming for help when they slam the door on the room they put her in so that other people can't hear her, and her father begs for assistance because he probably thought, oh, she's just another addict. She's a pain patient in massive pain, and then they show up with a tiny little dosage, which is not going to do the job. Catherine, as you listen to the minister, good to talk to you again. What did, uh, how satisfied were you with, with what, what she said? Oh, well, I mean, I, I was not satisfied at all. I, I don't believe that she answered any questions directly. Um, and, uh, you know, sure, right at the end she said it's between, it should be between the patient and the doctor. Well, you go tell that to my doctor who's, you know, low down on the food chain as far as doctors go, but he's, he's fantastic. He's my doctor. And is he going to take my word for it or, you know, the minister on the radio? No, not until it's actually made law will he be able to comfortably prescribe me You're right. prescriptions. You're right. You're you know? right. But we do have the minister saying, and this is where I'd have, like the rest of the country's media to pick up on this. I, 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 they, they need to listen. They need to know that it's not you. It's not chronic pain patients who are the issue. They're not the, you're not the, not the focus of these statistics that are trotted out and the, and the opioid crisis. It's the drug addicts who are, the, who are creating the crisis, and it's the chronic pain patient who's paying the price. Yes. And, and, and the fact that the government cannot differentiate between those two groups, but then they go ahead and blindly pass this law without knowing that uh, is, is just unfathomable, really. What was your week like? Uh, you know, Roy, I actually had a horrible week, to be honest with you. Um, this week, uh, I gained 20 pounds of, of fluid. Um, I'm puffed out everywhere. I need to self-check myself in to the hospital. Um, I've been in pain all week, um, you know, at about a five. So I spent a good part of my day sleeping a lot. Um, I believe one time you had tried to reach me, and I couldn't talk to you for two hours because I, I needed to settle myself in to be able to speak to you. I remember that. Yeah. So, no, I did not have a good week at all. Um, and and the, 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 the doctor in Toronto, who I mentioned to the minister, who is interjecting himself into your health care and essentially shoving, shoving aside your own doctor and making uh, demands like your breakthrough meds be taken away from you, breakthrough meds being if the pain spikes, they get long-term meds, and if the pain spikes, 
before those long-term meds can take effect, you get a, a small dose of, a, of an efficient breakthrough opioid that is short-acting or short-lasting but, but acts quickly. So those, those were taken away from you, right? That is correct. Had I have access to those, because the way pain goes is it, it's almost like a, I think of it as a monster, really. But it starts out small, and if you can't eradicate it immediately, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So by the, if you have to wait too long to, to kill the monster, you have to use triple the dose. I'm, I'm just making that up, uh, you know. But so had I have access to a very small dose of the breakthrough meds, I could have stopped this whole cycle that occurred this week. Are you afraid? Absolutely. I missed work appointments, everything. You know, I, 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 am I fooling myself that I can actually maintain a, a job, you know? And you're a very successful person. Well, I try, but it's my, my hands are tied a lot. And your, is your fear now that this, lab co- this walking lab coat in Toronto is going to cut your medication even further and just shove your family physician aside even more? Well, I mean, the way I understand it is now I'm below the threshold. So, you know, unless the government decides to lower that threshold, I, you know, I really don't know. But sure, am I afraid? Absolutely. Nobody cares. They're all looking at the numbers. And the, and, the, and the number and the numbers are the numbers are manipulated. The numbers are meant they're manipulated in such a way that you are become the focus when you're not the focus at all. Oh, and sure. And I think when I was explaining the math to you, because you said, "Wait a second, Catherine, that's not right." And I realized what my doctor had said. They've arbitrarily put four times amount of strength on these breakthrough meds. In actuality, they're only two milligrams, but they're saying, no, th- their value is worth eight. So who came up with that number? Well, just, that's, that's, that's like saying, we'll put two liters of gasoline in your car, but, but you, you pretend it's eight. How fast are you going to run out of gas? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it just seems that there's no, no foresight in this whatsoever, no care for the patient, and, you know, except for the gentleman, the, the kind doctor who has to break the news to me? Who I could have sworn had a tear in his eye, and I'm not trying to make it sound dramatic, but he knows how I feel. He's seen me, and and but his hands are tied. Yeah, you and I will uh, will talk in the next couple of days, and we'll stay in touch. We'll have you back on the program with uh, some other uh, chronic pain patients, and. Um, and we'll push this further because you deserve a lot better than you're getting. No way should you or any other chronic pain patient in this country be forced forced to experience horrific pain levels simply because of an agenda of some kind that governments may have. Catherine, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Roy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I wish I could do more than just say take care. When we come back, Marvin Ross, columnist, who wrote... In the HuffPost Canada, we had him on last weekend for a couple of minutes. We'll have him back about Ontario's war on pain patients. Mr. Ross gets it. It's a great article. Check it out. Ontario's war on pain patients. Perhaps the Ontario health minister should read it. Might be helpful.